Okay, um, Secretary, could we have the, I mean, uh, our Executive Assistant, Santa, can we have the um, roll call, please? Trustee Lawrence? Here. Trustee DeVries? Here. Trustee I'll just turn that off. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Jensen? Here. Trustee Lujanani? Present. Trustee Zorthian? Here. We have a quorum. Great. Okay, well then I'm opening the meeting. We've had roll call, and I will ask if there's any members of the public who wish to address the board. Okay, then I'm going to move right into our medical staff reports, and we'll just go right down the line, or whomever wishes to volunteer. Thank you. Thank you. So, on the MedExec report, I think everybody has a handout. Now that I'm seasoned in this, so I can quickly run to what I think I want to point out your attention to. Uh, basic, uh, you know, code blue and rapid response rate that we want to let you know that we have 18 response uh, RRT, which is rapid response team calls. And uh, response time was less than five minutes 100 of, in 100% of the calls. And um, uh, one RRT progressed to code blue. Um, in the peer review, we have 37 cases sent. There were uh, three, um, oh, I'm sorry, there was none which was level three, and there was no discrepancy. I already uh, said one uh, unexpected death with pr profound hypoglycemia, which we will be probably talking about next month. It'll come back in our next month report. Um, Otherwise, uh, there was no track or trends in there. If you go down the list, uh, um, true north metrics have not changed much. Uh, I do want to point out the rating of the hospital, which was down, um, secondary to the staff uh, response time and communication. So we have been having some opportunity to improve in call monitoring and uh, responding in times to the needs of the patient. So. Uh, Otherwise, the rest of the report is pretty straightforward. Okay. Any questions? Of the yeah, board? I do actually. Um, as you know, we just approved the changes in your bylaws uh -huh. in the last meeting, and and one of the things that was changed was the name of the committee of the whole. Um, yes. And I'm just curious about that. When was that changed? Because it still says that here, and what's the kind of what. Um, I don't think I could tell you that one because I don't know it to my recall it was a uh, um, few months ago it was changed to uh, quality yeah it's in the and I don't know the full name of it but it was changed and in, it will be incorporated because it was pointed out in the last MEC meeting that this name will change to the next name. Okay. Uh, this was right. the last two days ago we had this meeting about. I just wondered if there was, was some big reason that you decided to do that. I, just I more can descriptive of the process, of the function of the committee, probably. Huh? I can bring it to the board next month. That's not important. Uh, e either, that, either that or you could just call uh, Susanna Flores and she could send an email out to the rest of the board to let them know. You got it. That might even be... So sure. we don't forget. 
Sounds good. Okay, thank you. I will you. take care of that. Uh -huh, if you don't mind, that would be great. I had a quick question. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Um, so um, it, it would be helpful just, it's, it's a little bit hard for me to kind of get an image in my mind. Like I'm, I'm just thinking, for example, code blue rapid response team. I mean, without perhaps, without talking about a specific case, can you kind of bring to life a little bit what, what that means? Like what would, um, for example, um, uh, for what purpose would a rapid response team be called? And, and, so, and is five minutes good, bad? I, I just, it's just hard to, it's hard to bring that to life in my mind. Uh, so rapid response team is a, a, a group of uh, nurses, uh, including ICU nurses, and possibility of calling the physician as well. Uh, this team is created to avoid code blues in the hospital, and anybody in the hospital can call code blue, including the family, or, I'm sorry, the rapid response, including the family members, um, or even a uh, a ward boy or a janitor, whoever is in the room, they can call that. So it's to avoid and any code blue and be responsive to um, before the um, the dangerous or so-called uh, code blue is called in. So when they come in, they evaluate the patient right away and they decide whether there is any further intervention needed or not. And depending on that, uh, whether the patient needs to be moved to ICU or need to be monitored here, order some testing, monitor the patient at the same place. So it's a step before code blue, and it just kind of early action prevents the bad outcome. <clears throat> so when you say there is a 100 RRT or the rapid response were called, within five minutes everybody was there, that's pretty good in 100% of the time. And only one of those went into code blue, which means they were able to prevent 99 of the other ones. Either they took care of the problem or it was not severe enough, so on and so forth. Thank you. Okay. Our next, Dr. Shaw. Hi. Thank you uh, for the opportunity to tell you about the MEC we had last month. Uh, you can see here that we have some really good news about our GME program. Uh, and as we continue to formalize our GME program in terms, of, in terms of getting them what they need as residents, we also see that that blends in with the needs of the medical staff as we develop young physician leaders. So getting them to be on some of our med exec committees after they gave this, this uh, fine presentation about the fact that they're doing a great job for their ACGME uh, requirements, we also then said, well, we need to start blending some of these young physicians into our med staff components. And so we've opened up conversations about that, and you can see some of the good things that, were, that have been said about our GME department. Um, match day, as you know, is when the residents are picked uh, for the next upcoming year. That tends to be an exciting time period, and so that just happened. We did well uh, for all our departments, and we always have continued to do well in our ER department, but now our medicine department is really picking up pace and, um, and has really filled up some of the vacancies and some of the opportunities for improvement have actually been 
been fruitful, uh, and, and we can see that now in the types of residents and trainees we're getting. So that's good news. The, um, <clears throat> some of the other things here, um, like the e-consults, are some new methods that Dr. Sivak is trying out in the ambulatory realm to improve efficiency for some of our patients who may not have actual physical access to be able to come to different clinics when they are spread out through the system. So now we're starting to see some efficiencies as a system, I think, as we start getting the ability to communicate from provider to provider through different mechanisms rather than just actual physical visits. So that's something that's exciting that Dr. Sivak is working on. Um, the other uh, two things I wanted to discuss, was, one was a, a great program that we have set up for next Wednesday and the following week. Next Wednesday is technically Doctor's Day. So through Joe Walker's efforts, Dr. Walker's efforts, and uh, through some of the efforts of the chiefs of staffs here, we've created a program for where we're going to actually next week provide food for some of our residents, but more excitingly, April 7th, and I believe uh, many of you will be invited, uh, all the staffs will be invited. We're having a system-wide mixer to talk about thanking the doctors. We're going to then go through in that program, have some slides of doctors in actions, but more importantly, thank some of the, the physicians who have been on staff for say five, 10, 15, going all through that. And then each staff is going to pick three members, which we're going to specially recognize as either uh, for their years of service. We have some doctors that have been here more than 30 years, 35 years even. And some of their friends will be getting up and roasting them a little bit, but congratulating them. And, uh, and you know, we really hope that it starts breeding uh, a feeling of, of a system. And everybody here uh, that has been involved in it is, is very excited. Uh, we're promoting it amongst the staff, but we'd like to promote it to you as well. So I, I think... Uh, Del Vecchio or Joe, if you, if you guys wanted to add anything, we're really excited about it, and that's something that, you know, I wanted to share. It, please, it certainly helps morale. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I'm just a little upset because that was one of my announcements that he stole. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it actually was on my list, uh, but. Um, uh, yeah, no, we, we, we share the excitement, and actually we, we really thank uh, um, the Chiefs of Staffs uh, for, for really uh, sort of stepping up to, to champion this effort uh, as an opportunity uh, to bring all the medical staffs together, so very excited about it. Uh, last year's Doctor's Day across the system, I think, was roundly well-received in terms of the events that uh, were done to recognize the medical staff, but the medical staff uh, uh, very appreciably spoke up and said, that was nice, uh, we could do more of that, but here's something that we think would also be uh, uh, really uh, a, a nice way to recognize medical staff. So I think uh, very much driven by the clinical leadership, and we fully support that and, and look forward to uh, uh, honoring you and recognizing you. And I apologize, because actually, I think you said Doctor's Day is actually March 30th, uh, uh, so happy early Doctor's Day. Uh, but as many of you know, I will be in Japan on March 30th. So they were kind enough to uh, to uh, uh, adjust the schedule for this big event uh, to the 7th so that I could be there to celebrate with them. And I appreciate that. Great. Thank you. Just one last, one last topic I wanted to bring up is uh, something that we've all discussed amongst leadership and administration. Uh, as some of you may be aware, there was a disruption in our dialysis contracting, and we have worked very diligently to bridge 
some of the communication efforts um, that unfortunately the administration had to scramble and did an excellent job of making sure that the, the gap in our dialysis services was minimized. Uh, as of now, all of our campuses do have dialysis, and that was thanks to the effort of, of, of a very strong effort jointly by the ELT from what we have seen. Uh, Kenzie, uh, Richold was definitely very strongly involved in that. Dr. Walker, doc, uh, Mr. Chapman, and obviously Mr. Finley all pulling together to get things kind of done so that our patients wouldn't be at risk. Uh, there may have been at that time some issues with communication to the medical staff is exactly what was going on and staff didn't necessarily know how to receive it. Um, so we've had some discussions about how to shore up some of these things and prevent them from occurring in the future, namely around how to involve physicians and administration dyads together early on in these service contracts that affect patient care. And we're looking into the legal requirements, we're looking into bylaw requirements, and it's something that will be discussed in detail at the next QPSC. And I just wanted to bring it to your attention. Um, everybody here is aware of what the issue is, and we wanted to make sure that um, the board knew about what was going on and how we were handling it. Great, thank you. Any questions, board members? Uh, I, I'm very interested in the um, the blending of the residents and and the I guess the regular doctors. What do you call them? Long term. The, what do you call them? Attendees. Yeah, or, or the, the, the regular yeah, the regular guys. The <laughs> members. Of yeah, the members of the medical. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean the older ones. I meant the experienced <laughs> faculty. Although they're not all Yeah, we're not. Oh, oh. Golly. Well, now I'm going to be really embarrassed because I'm going to tell you that the only frame of reference I have about in interns, and the question I was going to ask is about, because the medical shows that I watch, <laughs> I wondered about the... Uh, is this a myth about the hours in which interns have to put in? I mean, are there rules and regulations now relative to the number? More than you can imagine. Okay. More than you can imagine. G more give me examples of a couple. Well, for example, they cannot work more than 80 hours a week. They can't work more than, interns specifically can't work more than 16 hours at a time. They can't be unsupervised on call. The list goes on and on. With these, some of these regulations did not exist when most of us here were training. They were, they were more recent, uh, I would say, in the last five to six years. And not only have they come about, but they're being very strongly enforced. So the, the Grey's Anatomy reruns, <clears throat> I should just discount all I of that. I wouldn't watch that show. Get yeah, it. That's just okay. my personal just, opinion. I, I'm just, well, I'm trying to get a sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like Scrubs better. But, uh, uh, yeah. Let that okay. be noted. Marcus Welby. Marcus Welby. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Marcus Welby down there. Was there was a doctor. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. This meeting has gone to. Yeah, but yes. the regulations are very strict and and that's what we've done a great job in being able to provide the same level of care and training within those limitations and that's what this GME report was mostly about actually so so, so their involvement it is a part of the hours in which they are serving and not additional staff yeah it would have to be uh-huh right. okay 
Okay, yeah. that, that was my interest. Okay, any other questions of the board? Doc Yoko. Oh, thank you. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, this is good news in this uh, a monthly report of the uh, medical staff. Uh, one of the one of the purposes of one of the purposes that convinced everybody to support the merger of our facilities was the patient transfer. That was really a problem getting a, a higher level of care. And under John Chapman's leadership, we have uh, we have accomplished this. It's not available 24/7. Uh, it's Monday through Friday, so that means people. I, I think that would. If there's a, a critical need, we somehow make it happen. But uh, right now we have a, a, an active transfer service where, where there's a, a nursing contact at the hospital and a coordinator at the transfer center here because uh, Highland does offer a higher standard of care. Uh, we will then also take patients who don't need the higher standard of care and take them so that we could provide beds for our higher standard of care. So mm -hmm. it is a two-way street. So we're very happy about that, and we hope to expand it to a 24-7 service. Thank you. And then patient experience, well, it's been pretty good. I mean, we've gone up. We're, we, our, our goal is to get a 68.3%, and we're at 67.8. So if you round it up, it's pretty, pretty identical. <laughs> uh, Prescani is our patient survey system. Uh, pain, pain management is above target. Uh, the number of responses has dropped, so that it makes you wonder, well, we're really getting the, just the happy people who are responding. I think you would probably tend to get the unhappy people who are responding. Uh, <clears throat> our HGAP scores, scores are, are not at the high percentile we'd like them to be, but they have gone up. Uh, and then the True North goals, we've had uh, uh, this pilot program between the Alameda Fire Department paramedics and our hospital, and we notify them of patients who are discharged who have uh, potential for needing medical care. They will attend to the response and hopefully avoid a readmission. So the goal of that is to have a higher level of medical care than to bring to the hospital uh, issue. So they're actually doing ambulatory medical care. It seems to be being effective. Uh, then, of course, financial. We do live in a world that depends on money, and we're very happy to note that our accounts, uh, that our debt has gone from $10 million to $1 million in the year plus that we've merged. So that's quite, quite uh, uh, successful. And then we have a real singular success in our long-term care under the uh, leadership of our, uh, our administrator there. And the uh, the patient satisfaction is in the 98th percentile for this the skilled nursing facility at, at Water's Edge, uh, being the main facility. So we're very happy with that. So at, by and large, it's an excellent, encouraging bit of information, and we glad to take any uh, comments, questions. Thanks. Yeah, I, two questions um, on the fire department program, which I know was. Uh, they presented to us about a year ago. Is it would it be possible at some point to get some measurable data about the number of patients that we prevented yeah, readmission? A, and I, I, I'll try and maybe a demographic of the patients. I'm sure they do keep data because this is this yeah. is to be. I mean, the purpose of this was to hopefully 
find the successful and then have it become contagious through other paramedics. Well, so we, I think they're going to support the dirty. Because I, I, I'm sure that Oakland has a lot of frequent flyers, probably more than Alameda, and maybe Highland Hospital and Oakland Fire Department could enter into a similar type of program. Um, yeah. if, the if advantage of Alameda is a little more geographically restricted. Sure. But at least you could probably get get great great uh, coverage in the nearby area. Is that possible for us to get a follow-up on that? Since they, it's been almost a year now, I think, since they came. So it might be worthwhile for us to, to get that. Yeah. Do you guys agree yeah. that yeah. you'd be interested in seeing it? No, we'd love uh, we'd be, be glad to do it. So if you, if you want to you know, add it as a future agenda item so we can do a uh, presentation great, uh, in a future meeting, we'd yeah. be glad to do that. It's the program is, I think it actually kicked off around July of last year. Uh, I remember actually being up visiting when they were having a kickoff event at the fire department. So I think it was around July before yes, I started. I so. uh, they probably presented before it started uh, here. Uh, it's a two-year pilot, if I remember correctly, uh, done by the state in select geographies. And so in Alameda, uh, it was the um, the Alameda uh, city of Alameda uh, fire department, uh, and, and largely in partnership with Alameda Hospital or AHS. Uh, I. I feel like there was some additional, maybe similar effort that was locally funded by the county um, uh, with Oakland. Is that, I'm, I'm looking at Kathleen, she's nodding back here, so I just want to make sure I don't say the wrong thing. Uh, but we could, we could look into specifically this program and if there are similar things uh, that we're also doing in conjunction with uh, the Oakland uh, Fire Department or other jurisdictions, we're, we're happy to share that. But I believe uh, the thrust of this was a two-year pilot to then, as Dr. Yako was saying, uh, make a proof of concept uh, that community paramedicine is an efficient way of uh, providing good continuity of care and avoiding readmissions and other sorts of things uh, for this population. I'll remind the trustees, and you may have heard, that it's, it's not without its uh, uh, set of controversy. Um, there was a lot of uh, pushback in the uh, home health community, home health nursing community, that uh, this function was more... Uh, um, in the appropriate domain of nurses in the home health environment and not uh, uh, lay paramedics. So, uh, but the state moved forward uh, no less and is piloting this. And so there's still more to prove uh, with respect to the process, but be glad to provide what we have. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to bet that a lot of our frequent flyers don't have a home and therefore they don't have home health care. Um, a lot of the people that come through here often are Mm. quite likely have questionable housing status and, and that's why they're frequent flyers and um, that's my comment and then should I go to my other question which I, I see the, another mic lit but it was about the transfer center I just would love an example of a patient you know that that you know or, or, or uh, yeah of who needed to be transferred here and how it freed up a bed for us to transfer someone there and also my follow-up would be does the patient then feel or the family is our Obviously, if they're getting a higher level of care here, the family's probably great with that. But if a patient comes to Highland and then is transferred to Alameda, is there, have we got, do we get any pushback because they're not from Alameda? I'm just curious about that. John, do you have any comments on this? I can respond briefly. I mean, it, there, there wouldn't be a pushback, as far as I know, from patients transferred either way um, to Alameda or to here from Alameda. John can comment on that. Before you do, though, I just want to say that regard to your first question, the Alameda Community Paramedics, 
Um, it, it, it is kind of unique because Alameda Fire Department has the contract to to bring all patients, all critical and emergency patients, directly to Alameda Hospital. So that's kind of um, the system that's in place, and it's been in place. So it might be different with the different providers and, and with Oakland Fire. I'm not sure that they have a relationship unless it's a trauma. They always come here, but they may they may have arrangements to bring people to other places as far as I know. They are, they are part of the uh, pilot, uh, but it, as I said, I think it's a separate program that the county was doing that was a similar program, but we could find out more about it. John can talk about the, uh, the transfer center, which we are using not just between Alameda and, and uh, Highland, obviously that is occurring, but also with San Leandro, and we are doing some stuff related to the, um, the uh, opening of the new building here that, that is engaging that process uh, more too. So, John, if you want to share. Answer your specific question on how do patients feel coming from Highland to San Leandro and Alameda, and uh, realize that it's not mandatory. We ask them uh, if they would be willing to do so, and we have a nurse case manager who explains the benefits. Um, part of those benefits is if we have a high census, and they we're going to tell them, hey, it could be 10 to 12 hours before a bed here, but we have one available at Alameda. Would you be willing to? And um, right now we do keep track of the approval denial, and it's about 77% approve uh, going to either Alameda or San Leandro. It might change if they have to, if they recognize what a great bed they would have at the acute tower versus Alameda or San Leandro. <laughs> I can't respond to that. That may be true. Um, uh, speaking of the acute tower, I guess the uh, the piece that Dovecki would ask me to to talk about is, although we're losing 20 med surge beds um, by moving into the acute tower, remember that currently there are double rooms, and many times we can't use a bed because you have to pair a man with a man, a woman with a woman, or one's taken with isolation. So we actually take we've been following our census, and it comes to be about six to eight patients that if we remove in the uh, today into the new acute care tower uh, wouldn't have a bed. So that's why we set up the transfer center and we set up, um, I don't want to call them Highland designated beds, but we've got agreement between San Leandro and Alameda to take a patient a day at each institution Monday through Thursday with the average length of stay three to four days. So they always have a, a full four to five bed unit. And the timing right now of having it from 8 to 3, is that is that what it is, the transfer center times uh, Monday through Friday? Yeah. So I, I thought many of these cases happened during the evenings. Is that not? Um, two, two, different, two different issues, but the reason for 8 to 3 is to be able to transfer and have the physician accept the order and to have the patient and the patient's family get there at a normal time. We want to do those transfers early in the morning. We want that transfer uh, uh, to happen between 8 and 11 a.m. Now, what you've heard about uh, in the past with evenings, um, many times that wasn't an issue of beds. It was an issue of being having enough admit staff. And that's why um, this board approved the uh, hospitalist program that will hopefully be starting soon. For, and so we'll have nocturnists in the ED. I just wanted to say that part of the answer is that not all of these patients are because of bed availability. Sometimes, as John was saying, 
there's a level of care that we can provide here, a higher acuity level in the ICU or a surgical intervention or something, and those patients are going to come whenever they need us. Right. So it's a two-way street. That's what uh, uh, John was mentioning is we couldn't take the higher level of acuity from San Leandro and Alameda because we had no beds available. But with them taking our lower level med surge, we're, we're uh, holding beds just for their patient population too. So it doesn't go to Alta Bates or Sutter or having a patient at risk. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, any other questions? Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, I was interested because I'm not on QPSC any longer. W what is the status of the peer review? And I know last we talked that you guys were voting on. Shared sure. sure. sure agreement. You mean. Yeah. We had a meeting last Thursday. Last Thursday. Yeah. And uh, some good points are made. Uh, and I think we're going to meet again. We, we're getting a draft, a new draft. And, uh, and I think we're going to meet. This is, this is a work in progress. Yes. And it's not going to happen real quickly. It's it's really it's it's interesting that most of the people who are coming to a new hospital are coming to either Alameda or San Leandro. We very few of our practitioners go to Core. So um, that that's we're you know we're really careful about not getting too not to appear intrusive in this whole uh, new agreement that we're going to work out. But, it, but there were some great points made. And we, we, one of the things that we have to consider is that, uh, that, that you know, we're here and we're, we're experienced. We all maybe have a lot of time on medical staff. But there's going to be new people come in, and we want something to be very specific so they don't have to worry, oh, i got to call a lawyer about getting this information. Mm -hmm. We do not want to set up a phobia mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I think we feel comfortable. We, we all would endorse it. With to some with with a clarification, so that somebody could just look at it like a menu or a recipe and say, okay, this 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 goes, this does not go. So we want it to be very straightforward for the our successors who might not have the experience. Well, I I do believe a proceeding with caution is certainly yeah. certainly has a great deal of merit, and so I I don't quarrel with that. Okay. But I, I do feel personally that the more uniformity that we can create throughout the system, the better served we are for the future. When in fact we are in a position where we can trade, we can trade services across the system. Uh, that seems to me to be I think uh, a vision that we ought to hold. So. If it takes time to get there, that's fine. But, but I do believe it's an important it's an important measure. If I might elaborate just a little bit, John's a little modest about it. Our, our meeting that we had last Thursday was the three chiefs of staff and the three incoming chiefs of staff, along with our medical staff director. We had a about an hour and a half meeting before, went to dinner afterwards. I I consider it it was it was was quite a step in the right direction because we essentially had agreement that we are going to share information. Now we need to tackle the issue of just exactly what information. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a deeper level conversation than, we, than we've had before, and I think it's absolutely a step in the right direction. And we had some pretty easy consensus around some of the things that we'll be sharing. Mm -hmm. So not only we agreed to share, there's a body of information that there's consensus about, and then another a sub subsequent body to be discussed. Mm -hmm. So that's progress. Okay. All right. Thank you. Did you have something? I just wanted to add to that. 
that we're getting help from the legal counsel to kind of create a document which can uh, indicate what all three medical staff has agreed upon because it's more of a legal language problem than what we want to what we want to agree upon that's not probably an issue it's how to put it in words uh, and well, that's what it's going to help. And the balancing of protecting individual yes. rights versus versus the the organizational system. So I, I mean, I recognize that. So I'm very pleased that you're, you're taking those steps forward. That's that's good news. Thank you. Anything else from the medical staff? Okay, I'd like to move on to the agenda item then, and um, now to the president's report, which is mine. Doctors, yes, thank you for attending. Uh-huh. Appreciate you staying staying later. Thank you. Um, I want to, uh, I'm sure the rest of you have heard that we have the announcement of resignation from Trustee Varney. And um, he wanted to uh, make everyone know that he has really enjoyed his time on the board. Um, I talked with him, and his he had some time issues, crunches that were surfacing. But mostly he felt that he had served his purpose in the sense that what his goal was is to help broker the relationship between this trustee and the supervisors. And he felt that that relationship had, had grown considerably and was in a much better place. And so he felt, given the time um, that was pressing on him the other obligations that that he would step down um, but I do want to publicly thank him I know the board joins me and certainly what I appreciated most about um, about trustee Varney was his courage to speak his mind and he he was always very very committed to making certain that that we moved forward uh, and so I appreciate that very much so we will send, and it would be nice if we could have a formal letter of from from Susanna, uh, from on behalf of the Board of Education, thanking him for his. For, excuse me. Oh God. Oh my gosh. It's, you think? I, I want you to know. This is a sidebar. I'm sorry. Today I, I'm a I'm a part of this medical study, and they gave me 12 words. And they just give you these 12 words. And you have to repeat back these 12 words. So they give you 12 words, or random words. And you have to repeat it back. And then you have to repeat it back again. And then you have to repeat it. And at the end of the two hours as you're leaving, they ask you what these 12 words are. I got 12 words. All right. I'd be happy to tell you what the words are now. I've got them embedded in my head, but no, it was not education. Uh, so I don't want you to think that this is the only place that I'm an idiot. There are other places that... Okay, um, and now the um, I need to ask the board. It, it appears that we we really now have another vacancy in which we need to fill, and the one vacancy would be is being recommended by the Board of Supervisors, and I'm hoping that that will come soon. And you were at the, you were all at the meeting in which um, that has that is being planned. But we do have this um, vacancy, and so I would like to see if there's an ad hoc or any of you would be interested in working to come up with recommendations for a uh, an individual to serve as a trustee. 
do I have an interest in any of you wanting to be on an ad hoc committee? Okay. Well, then th the three of the three of us can do that. Good. Thank you. I appreciate it. May I ask, um, would we need to check in with the Board of Supervisors? Yes, we will have the ad hoc committee. There's a criteria that we would use because it's part now of the new bylaws that, that are going forward, so there's some criteria. And then one of the things clearly that the supervisors wanted to make certain happen is that we have some geographical representation. And so we want to be mindful of, of that issue as well. So I think with an ad hoc committee, and so we will formally have that, I'll talk with Susanna, we'll get some dates from you, do a survey, and when you're available. Okay? Input from the full board. Absolutely. Yeah. So if any of you, now you know the three people who are going to be sitting on the committee, if any of you have names, uh, people that you think you wish to consider, we would be really interested in doing that. Thank you. Um, and then just in your agenda, if you will notice that we have put in here your uh, clarification of the terms of office, and that's in there specifically because as we have changed and modified the bylaws, it's much more prescriptive in, identif in identifying when those terms have started and when they end. And so you will use this now to uh, as the formal document in which you know when your term starts and when it ends, when you are up for reappointment, should you choose to to allow yourself to be reappointed, etc. Okay. So yes. I have a question on that regarding um, former trustee Varney. And um, are we all? A lot of the boards I work with, that you you're serving a term, so he would have be, he would be considered leaving midterm, and somebody would be appointed to f fill the vacancy to complete the term, so that the terms remain staggered, so we don't have. Suddenly, like you know, huge turnover. Like I notice, one, two, three, four of us expire December thirty first of twenty seventeen. Uh, two and sixteen, and one and eighteen. So, and I can't recall from the bylaw conversation. Do are we are we setting those terms so that of the nine, three are say, I guess you can't go odd even, but like year one and three are year two and three are year three. So that there's, is it now set that way? People are uh, nodding. <laughs> well, if you look at, but your the first question is yes, the individual that we would appoint would be filling his term, and um, and so the remainder of his term, and then he would be that individual could in fact be reappointed for his sec the second or third term. Uh huh. Ivani Warney wasn't his term expiring this year as well. So I mean, I think yes, he, yes, his term was. I'm, I'm sorry. No, 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 please. His term was was expiring, but the in, he, it came in. I'll have to look on the date. But this individual will will have actually a little bit. So he'll complete this term and then would be eligible for two uh, three additional terms. He'll have this. And then eligible for, for three, two and two, two more three-year, no. Two more three-year terms. That's correct. That's correct. Two more three-year terms. So, so if you fill a term that doesn't have very much time left, you're not going to be able to have as many years. That's yeah, right. that's right. That's right. But, but back to Joe's point. 
the staggering is what I think we're bringing up. So how? Is Mike that time, uh, or a Mike? Um, so there. It's, so I'm, I'm replying to this based off of the current draft of the bylaws of which you're actually considering this evening. Uh, that will go on to uh, the board of supervisors from here. Um, my recollection, and I'm looking at Mike here, is that there isn't any express language in the bylaws that talks about the staggering of terms. Um, uh, so it is, in fact possible under the current uh, uh, bylaws, again, draft, in draft consideration, that there could be a preponderance in any one year of any yeah, more than three trustees who are uh, whose term, whether it's the first, second, or final, are coming up. Uh, so. well, you know, I think one of the things that might be useful for you know, to put on the plate of the ad hoc committee to consider and perhaps bring back to the board is, you know, how to address uh, the issue. And, you know, because one, one mechanism to do that is that, you know, a, a trustee could resign their position to be reappointed such that it would establish a new order in which they're done. So there are a number of things that could be discussed along those lines. So, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I would, you know, be happy to, you know, participate in the ad hoc committee meetings regarding this because we'll also be talking about process, but that's one thing we could talk about and then that could come back to the board for, you know, their feel about how they want to address that issue or when they would want to address that issue. Um, if, yes, we can do that. We, we can certainly, and I don't want to belabor it here. Um, the, the idea of, and your, your notion so that everybody doesn't leave at one time is, is a good one. But, um, one of the things one needs to consider is the experience of an individual coming on. So if a resignation takes place, someone comes on in and has only, a three-year period of time and and their term expires um, you lose some experience and so we need to think that through but we'll go into ad hoc okay thank you and then one more uh, I'm sorry I'm sorry Jim um, so uh, specifically with the expiration of my term if my memory serves which is always faulty um, I believe that the supervisor's resolution had my term expiring January of 17. No, it has me, this says December 17. No, but my, but, but, the, but the resolution that appointed me from the supervisors had me expiring January 17. I don't hear anything. Oh, okay, there it is. Um, one of the things that we did to create this document for you uh, is um, we looked at the language in the bylaws to reflect um, uh, that reflected what the terms of office for the trustees were. And what it says is that the term of office for any trustee actually commences. Uh, so the three year time horizon commences at uh, the beginning or the date of the annual meeting and the annual meeting is expressly mentioned as the first business meeting in January. So if, uh, and, and I don't have the, the working document that we use to put this together, but we did notice that historically, um, what was happening was, uh, appointments were done on a three year 
horizon from when the board of supervisors appointed you. So, so for example, take Trustee Varney, for example. He was uh, actually appointed in March three years ago. So technically, interpreting it by that uh, 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 practice, his three-year term would have ended in March of this year. Uh, when we look at what the bylaws intended, or at least a strict interpretation of the bylaws, it would have, he, while he was appointed in March of that year, his three-year window actually wouldn't have started until January of the following year, which means that his three-year, he gets three years plus. Anybody who starts off the January gets, you know, three years plus because it doesn't start till January. Uh, so, so then that is what took him to December. And I can't remember for you, I thought you were a little later. Yeah. But. I just specifically recall that this that the resolution by the board of supervisors that have, that okay. appointed me had me my term expiring in January of seventeen, but that's my perhaps faulty recollection. So we can uh, it may still it, it could be right. So, we, we can reconcile it though. What what this suggests right. is probably. We, we reconcile the terms against the uh, bylaws By language. We can also go back and look at the appointments uh, for all of you and make sure that that gets reconciled Yeah, as just well. that needs to get aligned. Correct. Because what we don't want, I think, is for any trustees, the validity of any trustees um, you know, seat to be questioned. questioned. I think that's fair. Because then we would you know, have difficulties if... You know, legal questions arose in the future. Well, show sure. a proper board action because people voted who weren't qualified to vote. Yes. So, or anarchy. So anyway, just worth checking. I we agree. Yeah. yeah. We'll, so we'll, we'll look up at that. the resolution yeah. that that came from the supervisors. But yeah. but we did go back. You know, the bylaws issue was we had old bylaws and new bylaws, and what we're trying to do is to get these things lined up so that we can get rid of the the, Ambigu yeah. the no, ambiguity. That so. makes perfect sense. I'm all for that. I'm just, this is just a step in that direction. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, wait. So anyway, we'll, we're we'll look into that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much. Okay, thank you. And then the, the next one is, is there interest in working with um, our CEO to help design the uh, retreat? If you'll remember, we're having our board retreat in April, um, and is there any interest? One of the things that was raised today in a side conversation was um, one of the ideas is that the board is interested in having a real comprehensive conversation around behavioral health. And the not only the uh, lack of space and service that um, at John George, but what's going on throughout the county, how the other hospitals in our area are in fact working with mental health, what are where the behavioral uh, resources, the funding resources for behavioral are coming from. So we're really interested in a whole. Uh, so that was one, a big comprehensive talk. Uh, so that was one of the agenda items for a retreat that has been surfaced. Is, but I raise that issue. Are any of you interested in helping? Okay. Appropriate to, to share or to um, suggest items? Why, why don't we do this? Why don't it, 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 
I will work with Jim if you will send to either one of us ideas that you would like to have at the retreat. Send it, and you'll, you will probably need to do this pretty quickly. So if you could make certain that you could get those things, let, let's say by um, next Friday, a week from tomorrow, um, the th ideas or things that you would like to see on a retreat. Now, there's no guarantee that those things necessarily may be on, but but we are interested in board input on what you'd like to see. And then Jim and I can work with uh, the CEO to come up with what you'd like to do for, the, for those retreats. And certainly if an item can't make the retreat, it might be a good item for an education session. Exactly. Exactly. I was at, to that end, actually, I was going to point out that the – I'm looking for a guy or Joe – the actual um, – yeah, I see him. The, the May – is it May? The, the May uh, board education was actually um, currently it's framed around uh, behavioral health and physical medicine uh, integration. And so we'd be talking about kind of how that happens. Uh, we could still do that or as an idea we could um, um, to, to trustee uh, DeVries uh, uh, point, we could amend the May uh, education session to be this if, you know, subject to whatever sort of, other recommendations we get uh, that you think could be better used there, or we could supplant this and use that for something else. So we can be flexible in that regard. Well, if, if he could get ready, the, we could do the re we could have the conversation at the retreat, mm -hmm. and because I know that um, we also have some interest from uh, the clinic. Um, the doctors at the clinic sure. to come and make a presentation about access and what's going on at the clinic and and Barry has been working with them for for some time and they have been interested and so that could be used as an education meeting in May and we could have if if you can pull that together for the April retreat. Uh, we can look at it. I, I, I do think that that is a broader – what you've asked for, which I think is a, a, a great topic, is broader than – it sounds like you want to know broader than what we're doing, but what's sort of countywide. So we'd partner with other people to do that, and perhaps it makes sense to even include them in that. So we can we can be flexible based off of people's uh, schedule and what seems to make the best for, you know, most uh, informative and beneficial education session for you. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And what we're doing with our community. And so wherever you think that fits in, mm -hmm. we would be interested in, in seeing that. So noted. Okay. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Okay, then, Jim, you and I will will talk and then meet Del Vecchio. Terrific. Okay, well, Lynn, I think that's all that I had on uh, for the president's report, so I'll move to the CEO report. Okay. Uh Good evening. Uh, I'll be brief, actually. I, I wasn't joking that Dr. Shaw stole one of my uh, uh, items. Um, but uh, let's see, a couple of upcoming things for, for the trustees to be aware of. Um, so uh, we are, are swiftly appoint, uh, approaching uh, April 4th, and April 4th actually takes on two big uh, uh, points of significance for us uh, within the system. Uh, one, April 4th is the day that, uh, that we have the first patients taken care of in the new tower. Uh, that will be the day that patients will actually effectively move into the tower. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Uh, a lot of work is being done to um, um, uh, make sure that final preparations are, are made. Um, I share with the trustees in a, in a weekly report that the, um, that the um, 
survey that we had from the state uh, back in early March uh, was uh, largely successful. We got what's called conditional authority uh, to to go forward with our move. Uh, that was conditioned on a few items that they pointed out that still needed to be uh, addressed and and demonstration of the that being satisfactorily addressed uh, uh, being provided to them. Uh, that work has been ongoing since that um, since that visit. We expect uh, next week to have one surveyor. The, the first survey was six surveyors. We expect to have one come back to uh, do sort of final validation of what all the work that's been done. Uh, we're confident at this point that that things will that will won't be a problem and will uh, be clear to proceed. Um, uh, we're also so that that would happen. We're um, um, as John mentioned already making uh, provisions for right sizing the census so that you know we can move every patient over and you know you you have a bed today and only if you're discharged would you not have a bed if you were going over there. Uh, so that's all uh, expected to happen. It is a very very tight move management dance that has to happen beginning 6.30 a.m. on the 4th uh, and moving patients throughout the course of the day. So so all of that is in works. Uh, very, very uh, excited and incredibly appreciative and proud of the work uh, uh, that's been done on a part of the uh, team that's been focused on getting the building ready, uh, the team that's been uh, focused on uh, getting us uh, uh, licensed and uh, ready to move, uh, and the folks who will actually do that work. So just wanted to uh, recognize uh, um, John, Dr. Swift, um, and others who have been actively involved in that, members of the medical staff, our support services staff, and, and clinical staff. Uh, so very, very exciting. And uh, we look forward to giving you a report of, of, of that transition. And, and obviously then the rest of it is uh, cleaning out that building. Um, it gets, I think we, the demolition begins a month later uh, it goes over the course of a year. It takes a year to bring that building down uh, because it's in the middle of everything. So you can't just kind of and uh, take it down. Uh, uh, so it's take a year. And then from there, the link, which is the final part of the plan, gets uh, uh, completed at the courtyard in the middle. And it's all it's all done by the end of calendar year 2017. I think is what is the target now. So uh, very excited about that. Um, I did want to uh, uh, recognize and, and thank um, um, Trustee Hernandez as well. Last Saturday, we had a family and friends event uh, here. I know there was a lot of stuff going on Saturday. So some people were at the Women's, uh, I forget what it's called, Women's Hall of Fame. I think it was luncheon that was contemporaneous. But we had a uh, family and friends day for the staff here and their families and, and friends uh, to come and uh, uh, celebrate the new tower and what it meant for the history of patient care here on this campus and in this county. Very good turnout uh, uh, and uh, a well done uh, event and the tours. It was just very, very well coordinated and, and it seemed to be uh, uh, roundly appreciated by everybody. And I have never felt more like a politician. I, I took so many pictures with people and their in their babies. Like people really were walking up, handing me their kid, like take a picture with my kid. To, much to my wife's satisfaction, like, why do these people care about you? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, but they do. Their kid is going to grow up and be like, I don't know that guy. <laughs> and that doesn't matter, but that's okay. Uh, so my 15 minutes were pretty fun. Uh, so there, there's that. So there's a lot of fun. And, and really, uh, Trustee Hernandez, thank you so much for being there. It was really great to have you uh, present. Um, the other thing, so April 4th also takes on a big significance for us because of the Medi-Cal waiver. So the waiver application for our prime program, which is a big part, it's one of the three parts of the waiver, is due on April 4th. So there's been an incredible amount of work. 
um, uh, yeah, the timing is just, you know, it's, it's almost like it's poetic. Um, uh, incredible amount of work on the part of a lot of people uh, um, to get this application to get it together. Uh, we have a core group of people who have been meeting on a weekly basis, uh, very uh, religiously since uh, January. Actually, I think maybe even the end of December, but every week uh, preparing for this. Um, the final uh, terms from the state actually weren't approved until March 2nd, I believe it was, and then we got 30 days essentially from there to finish the application. So so we were happy actually that this group has been meeting so uh, routinely because uh, while it's still a crunch and it's very, very uh, um, tight for us to produce this, um, w there was a convening of all the safety nets throughout the state and it was it was clear from us that, or, or to us that we were one of the more prepared groups because we had been working in this way to get to get ready. So, so my hat's off to the team that's doing that and again, uh, um, uh, Guy, uh, Kissgard and other people are really um, uh, leading the way. Uh, David's very active in that, and, and members of the organization, uh, uh, medical staff as well. So, so that's going to happen on April fourth, um, and I'll be reviewing applications. Not doing a lot of work while I'm in Japan, but that's one that I will have to do uh, just to make sure that we're as uh, buttoned up as possible to get that application in on time. Um, so there was already a mention of dialysis services, and I've shared with you all, we uh, just to kind of do a recap, uh, um, this all started back in December when our current vendor gave us a 90-day notice, which was contractually allowed, uh, that we had to, uh, or that they wanted to terminate the contract. Uh, that got um, uh, us moving right away, and actually I don't take any credit for this, it really was uh, really largely led by uh, Kinsey, uh, Dr. Walker, and John Chapman, uh, working very closely with the other two main vendors in the industry to provide this service uh, to get a contract, recognizing from their end that it was a really tight turnaround for them to accept a contract and be able to ramp up and scale up and be able to provide this service for us. Uh, we went with a vendor and started down the work of finalizing a contract, uh, only to um, to our dismay, uh, for two weeks out for that uh, contractor to say that they couldn't, they didn't feel that they could do this. So uh, uh, that again got us even more frenzied, and this group of individuals really kicked butt uh, to be able to work with the other vendor, the other major vendor in the industry, uh, to be able to get a contract in place um, almost seamlessly uh and when i would say seamlessly i mean without gaps in service so at the three of our campuses that provide dialysis services two of them uh were covered without any break in service that you know one ended the other started uh, uh right away one of the campuses san leandro uh, actually did experience a gap um, that gap was covered by a very uh, multi-layered contingency plans with respect to how patients would be transferred if necessary but also uh how if patients uh, uh, presented with a need for that service that we would actually uh, get them, um, uh, we wouldn't even admit them to San Leandro while we didn't have uh, dialysis services. Uh, that did impact our inpatient volume for a while, but appropriately so from a, con uh, from a quality of care perspective. Uh, obviously something we wish we could have avoided. Um, that contractor uh, that we went with asked for about a 30-day horizon to be able to scale up to the level to be able to also support San Leandro they were able to do it in two weeks. So they cut that down with additional work and support from us uh, uh, and pushing and prodding, obviously, so that as of this past Monday, uh, we have continuity services at, at all three campuses and, uh, and we didn't have any uh, uh, untoward events uh, dur during this uh, time frame. So very excited about 
that demonstration of uh, agility on the part of the team and ability to step up for an otherwise unpredictable situation. Um, uh, but we are working with the medical staff who had layers of notification here, but they, I believe appropriately so, have pointed out that there were greater opportunities to have more timely uh, uh, notification and more uh, escalated notification and, and engagement uh, as we were moving forward. So. Uh, uh, we're going to work with them on looking at how we how we may do that uh, uh, better in the future. Um, uh, so we're always looking to improve, and I think that's a fair thing for us to to work on. Clearly, you got compliments from the doctors, so that that's good. And I think all those people involved certainly should give credit. Uh, I'm I'm interested when you say it was a seamless handoff. What what? What is entailed in moving from one com dialysis company to another dialysis company? So because our contract, actually, John, if you'll work your way up, I don't want to give any incorrect information here, and John has uh, more of the specific details, but uh, there, there are uh, components that involve uh, making sure that you have the appropriate dialysis equipment. Uh, so if you were... Uh, um, right, it depends on your contract. So sometimes you have a contract that's that they are just providing the service and you have the equipment. Sometimes you have the staffing and you're renting or uh, somehow contracting for the equipment, the maintenance, all that stuff, the supplies, uh, the supply chain for getting the, the, the right uh, uh, things in place to be able to, to uh, provide the service. Uh, a lot of big elements, but this in this case, it was, I believe, both that our current, uh, the prior vendor uh, provided both the equipment and the staffing. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Uh, all equipment and staffing was uh, provided uh, by Satellite, which was our original vendor. Um, Fresenius was the company who pulled out at the last minute with a contract on the table. Um, and John, I'm sorry to interrupt. When you say sure. staffing, what, what does staffing mean? What? Sure. Um, so to run the dialysis equipment, you need nurses. Right. So, so they provide... They provide okay. Specifically trained in providing dialysis. Right. That's correct. So... Um, when Davida came in, um, they were able to staff Alameda Hospital immediately. So the, the new company. Yeah, that's correct. The new company, our current company, um, brought equipment to all three sites two days before the end of the current contract with Satellite. That Monday, um, um, the new co company had nurses on hand at 7 a.m. at Alameda. They did not have San Leandro, as Delvecchio explained. And at Highland, we actually came up with a novel approach because they didn't have staff for Highland either. Uh, Kinsey and I were actually able to hire the current satellite nurses through a temp agency. We ran them, and all we did was hire a supervisor through Davida to supervise them. So we had current staff who already knew our patients and the equipment. Who, who were previous employers, employees, employers of, the old of contractor. Right. Okay. So what we're going through now is um, our current vendor uh, interviewing these people and hopefully hiring the majority. And they take over all operations at Highland, hopefully by June. But it's been transparent here at Highland. So, so the old contractor, when... I mean, with these people that you now hire, with, mm -hmm. what happened to the old contractor? They went out of business, or they they made a unilateral decision not to uh, uh, handle uh, inpatient contracts in the East Bay, and they gave 
um, the 90-day notice to oh, us. Okay. We weren't happy, of course. Yeah, it was uh, unexpected. F financial issues? What, 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 what seemed to be the concern with? They gave a standard response that they are going into another direction and focusing on their outpatient dialysis operations. Okay. Okay. Th thank you. Sure. Uh, Tracy. My question is, um, does the new contract with the dialysis provider have a 90-day opt-out? Um, I have to check. I, I, I can answer that. Okay. Uh, I wanted to make sure there's no more 90-day out clauses. It has a six-month out clause. And sorry. Six, six months. months. We and and the current contract is a is a uh, short-term contract, and we're we're doing we're in the process of working out the long-term. Yeah, contract. there's two. Right? There's one that should come to the board. That's a three-year contract that you'll see, um, and we signed a bridge contract. Uh, um, to get us to where we are today. And, and that then includes the equipment and the staffing? That's correct. I see. Okay. Go, go ahead. My, my question was about that bridge. Is this an interim bridge and what would be the long term? Davida has a lot of standalone um, presence in, um, in the East Bay, right? So um, Throughout the country. Yeah. Throughout the country. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, for outpatient, yes, yes. Uh, and then... Uh, some inpatient uh, like us now uh, that they do throughout the area as well. So, Delvac, you talked about the team kind of coming together and doing a great job and all. Why do you think that happened? What were the elements that present that, that made that that, that made everyone come together and work so effectively to get this job done? So I, I would say a, a couple of things. I would say certainly uh, an appreciation for the importance of what this means for the organization. Uh, I would say the, uh, the competency of the individuals to know what all is required to be able to, to uh, 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 address the situation and come up with solutions and creativity around how to do it. Uh, one of the, we, we explored a number of avenues. Uh, we did actually go to the prior vendor to say, you know, are there, are there ways that we could make this uh, continue to work for you uh, and try to really get at what the issue was? Uh, we explored the, con uh, the, the, the prospect that we might bring this in-house, uh, but recognizing the time, timeliness of, of that and what that entailed, uh, um, you know, decided that that wasn't a feasible route in the, in, in the uh, current uh, um, time uh, and then you know concurrently also looked at all these other options so I'd say you know a, an understanding and appreciation of the the uh, the urgency of this and the implications for the organization the uh, collegiality to be able to work together to bring this to fruition the creativity to explore a number of options and uh, just the, the you know the ability to get get the job done so uh, those are things that would immediately come to mind for me to me uh, you know, so, you know, there, there could be a, uh, the sky is falling down or the, the, and, and, uh, and, and an inclination to spiral, um, uh, and finger point and, or for someone to think, you know, uh, maybe have a hero complex and say, I can do this myself. Uh, but recognizing the complexity of this, the gravity of it and, and the implications of, across our system in many campuses, I, 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 uh, was, I was pleased uh, that that individuals came together again. This was I don't take any credit for this. It was it was not even like none of this was was at my direction. It was with my uh, um, with my concurrence. Uh, but people stepped up right away. Uh, people who had experience in this area. Uh, both John, or both John and Kenzie have a lot of. Uh, 
uh, a background in the space that, that came to uh, bear, and uh, certainly Joe uh, uh, contributed to that. And so, so I, I think that's the case. And I would also say we're, we're talking about them, but obviously there are a lot of people behind the scenes that also did this. Our contracting staff were very instrumental, our legal team in terms of really expediting the contract, still making sure that in our haste uh, or in our urgency that there wasn't haste, you know, that we were really – uh, making sure that all these pieces were exploded. And you, uh, the trustees might recall that uh, at one point we were, uh, we had the prospect that we need, we may need an urgent approval or uh, exec staff ability because of some of the uh, uh, expectations that our current vendor had on us. And uh, we kept working with them to say, listen, we want to work with you. We will do these things, but you know, if there are other ways that we can be creative around this, uh, that, that, that will, you know, that would be preferable and desirable and they were successful. So, I think that's that's that would be my immediate response. Sure. Thank you, John. Okay, uh, I'd like to move to the uh, consent calendar. Before I ask for a motion, is there anything that anybody wants to take off for um, separate discussion? Okay, then I ask for a motion to approve the consent agenda. I move that we approve the consent agenda items one, two, and three along with all the sub-items below that. That was the intention. Thank you very much, I'll James. Do I have a second? Okay. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Very good. Um, now we'll move to the action item for the approval of uh, the terms of agreement. Can I have, before we have discussion, can I have a motion to approve? I will. We approve. Second. Second. Okay. Um, do we have any discussion? Do we have any yays? Yay! Yay! Okay. Um, I'll take a formal vote. All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Great. Thank you so much, staff. A long time coming. Thank you, David. A lot of work. Thank you, County. Good job. Okay. Uh, approval of the uh, modifications of the trustee bylaws. I think you have seen these bylaws and um, because they were they were certainly at the supervisors meeting so any other questions relative to the bylaws well but, um, excuse me Tracy first let's have a motion to approve and then we can have discussion I'll move well, I'll second. okay Tracy I'd like to amend the motion to approve it um, with the f one change to um, remove Alameda County Medical Center from the title and which continues to be in there. Oh, my gosh. Still? Thank you. That That's twice now, I think, Tracy. Oh, this. Oh, there it's. Um. I, I move to call. Raise your Andy. hand if you're embarrassed. <laughs> okay. Given, given the... Uh, do we have a, can we approve the motion with the amendment that's been offered? Yes. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Great. Thank you. Okay. We'll have discussion for the financial report. Thank you. I'm happy to give a brief verbal report. Um, <clears throat> we have published the results for February, and they should have been distributed to you all uh, this morning. Uh, and they're also going to be reviewed in more detail at the Finance Committee coming up in April. Um, we're reporting really a very good month in February. We had a bottom line of 3.7 million, which was a couple million above budget. 
Uh, patient activity was really up across the board. Uh, discharges, long-term care, uh, even ambulatory visits were up. We also had very good performance on the, um, the revenue cycle with good collection ratios. Uh, supplemental revenue receipts continue to run, run above. And so our revenues were uh, quite favorable to budget. Um, notwithstanding that, the expenses were over budget, and there's several factors for that. One is volume-related. Volume's bit more than budget, so we had to staff up for that. Um, <clears throat> also, there's a lot of costs being incurred by the ATR move. There's training going on for staff. There's um, minor equipment, uh, other expenses that we're incurring. It's kind of hard to, to quantify all that because it's spread out across the organization, but we, we know it's there. Um, labor costs actually look very good, uh, particularly in relation to the, um, the patient activity. The major variances are in um, uh, consulting, uh, drugs, and laundry at this point. So we're obviously looking at that. Uh, but as we're sitting here today, um, we're now about $3 million behind our budget for the year. We've got four months to go. I think we have a reasonable prospect of um, achieving budget by year end. So we're, we're encouraged by that. Uh, some other things, the net negative balance forecast continues to look uh, pretty good. We just approved a permanent agreement. We'll be talking about the revenue cycle uh, stuff on the next agenda item. And there's been a lot of contracting activity, and I think we're making good progress on uh, managed care contracts, physician contracting, and other areas. I'll stop there. Yes, yes, sir. The Jim. the move expenses wouldn't those be capitalized? <clears throat> Not necessarily. Okay. It depends on what they are. Yeah, but if there if there's no ongoing value to them over uh, a period of years, and you can't capitalize them, they have to be written off. So, employee training is yeah. not capitalizable. Okay. All right. Yeah. The registry use still continues to be an issue, right? So, mm -hmm. how how is that being addressed? Um, in terms of, you know, uh, the expense. Uh, I, was, I was looking at that earlier this week, and it's interesting because actually the registry use at Highland has declined markedly, and we've been tracking the, um, the productivity gains we've got there, and it looks like they're really there and they're sticking. The registry use uh, actually increased uh, at San Leandro and Alameda, which accounted for the variance. I don't, I don't have an explanation. I wish my my colleagues were here and and Kenzie's out, but my 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 take is is that um, the 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 most logical um, connections are at um, at Alameda. Um, we're still dealing with some some uh, contractual matters uh, uh, with with labor, and I think that's in some ways uh, uh, confounding our, our our ability to address this in a systemic way. Um, uh, so, so that's kind of where, where where we are. I believe that at uh, San Leandro, so so well, I should say at Highland, uh, that a um, contributor to the reduction registry is some of the work that we did around uh, right sizing and staffing through the this uh, pilot uh, um, that we've been working on. And um, so I'd have to talk to. I know there's always been an intention that uh, if this proves. Uh, uh, both sustainable and uh, to have the value that we were we were going to expand the tools and the approaches to the other campuses. Uh, so I think that's where we are, and I need to talk to uh, to Kinsey about that. But I'll I'll be glad to look into it and get a more specific response for you. That was what I was hoping that some of the productivity things that have happened here in the core would then spread so that um, you know better use of staffing and you know less registry would then happen. So. Maria. Um, I have a question about um, 
things. One, how would you compare our current financial picture to a year ago? Right now we're three million in the hole versus, or three million <coughs> below budget. Yes, I understand, but I'm just using that term. Sorry about that. All right. So how would you compare that from a year ago? And then my second question is going to be, who has the ability to say no to additional consulting costs or things that push our current budget off track? Um, <clears throat> sure. Uh, we've, we've improved markedly over the prior year. Um, almost across the board. I mean, we are spending a lot of money on consulting, mm -hmm. um, primarily actually in finance with revenue cycle and uh, in IT. And a lot of that is filling um, critical positions that are vacant where we, we're trying to do recruiting and bring people in. Uh, but we're seeing the results. The, the revenue has increased markedly. Um, we're up 10% in terms of total revenue. Okay. Cash collections are up even more than that. Okay. Um, expenses, even though we're using consulting, it's only up about you know, 3% from prior year, which is sort of a record. Usually it's like 8 or more. So yeah. I think we're doing markedly better. Uh, in terms of um, uh, ability to say no, um, all contracts have to be signed by Mr. Delvecchio or myself, depending on the limits. He's obviously higher than mine. Um, but we try to have accountability down throughout the organization, and I know that the chief administrative officers are very mm -hmm. d d uh, diligent uh, vigilant at looking at these expenses, and we're trying to cut everything that we can. So. I, uh, I guess I would echo that, and just by way of example, there have been um, a couple uh, over the course of the last couple of months that uh, that the answer has been no in terms of either an extension or a continuation of an engagement uh, uh, that should have and or was set to term, or the commencement of another one for which uh, the the value was questionable. So. So, uh, without going into specifics, uh, uh, a couple of them can tell you that we've we've decided we're not going to to do a couple of uh, contracts in external work. Jim, I, I was going to just um, am amplify. I think one of the things that um, um, I've certainly observed in the in the finance committee over the past couple of years is you know it's not only an improvement in the results which is very important, but it's an improvement and a real change in both the infrastructure, in the, in the infrastructure, uh, be that systems, you know, the, just the, the finance team and how that's structured, uh, the culture of accountability, as Dave calls it, that I'm trying to infuse across the organization. And so I think that we're seeing, you know, we're seeing the much improved results because of all of those changes that have been put into place. And sure, there's more work to be done, but I think you know, it, it's like night and day. Um, it's yeah. like night and day. Um, I was uh, not afraid to say terrified when I first joined the board, and uh, I'm I'm very happy right now. So. No, I was I was hoodwinked. It's called bliss, blissful ignorance. Uh, well, no, no, they, no one told me until I arrived, and then I was like. <laughs> Wow. Uh, actually, so, so I obviously appreciate that. Uh, you know, we, we, we continue to be measured. We have a lot of work to do, and we are con uh, uh, staying true to that. But one of the examples I was just referring to a little bit cryptically, actually, uh, of something that we said no to, uh, when I say we, it's royally. I, 
I said no to it. Um, but I want to give credit to, to Jim because the finance committee's uh, uh, practice of doing retrospective reviews, um, one of the things that was being proposed to take place at another campus uh, hadn't necessarily gone as, as well. And it wasn't, it was a bit nuanced, but uh, overall it hadn't gone as well uh, at another campus. And so the answer was no way. We're not going to do that because, you know, there, there were some opportunities that were brought up and, and really came to pass uh, um, and to my attention as a result of the retrospective review. So me, that's that also be, helping. That would be helpful to hear that occasionally as part of your summary report because um, I just want to know that certain things that might come up uh, in the future again get you know, reviewed by the board as, mm -hmm. hey, we actually said no to these things. We mm -hmm. actually are being very careful about not extending ourselves so that the budget mm -hmm. looks even better and better and better. Mm -hmm. It's helpful. It's okay. helpful to know. Yeah. Just one of the things that Delvecchio mentioned, um, what we do on the finance committee for the members who aren't on there uh, is we look at items that, we, that have been approved about a year ago and just we want to see how's it going you know good bad or indifferent how's it going and tries to you know try to foster a, a, a culture of accountability in a sense that hey we're watching you know, that everyone's watching so this is just a informational for me this thing is on um, I don't understand the heat map I looked at it and realized well I like all the green colors but I actually don't know what they mean um, so So what I want to know is because it's all percentages and I'm like a percent of what so is it compared to the budget or is it the the yeah. that how much we are um, in the um, red the, the way we've done it here is it's comparing variances or percent variances to the budget not absolute performance so if somebody had budgeted to lose 10% and they lost 9%, that's going to show up as a positive variance. Okay? Yeah. But it, but it does give you at a glance kind of what's working and what's not um, in accordance with our plan for the so, year. So similarly, though, if, if something is um, uh, more profitable than it was, but not as much as it uh, was budgeted to be, it, it will show up as red. As red. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So to that end, could, I appreciate you raising that. So, so when when I looked, you said that the um, patient revenue at Alameda Hospital mm -hmm. was under budget by seven point three percent, and the operating expenses were seventeen point eight percent over budget. Okay. But everything is green on the indicator, but that doesn't. Gel yeah. with what you just said, so I'm I'm I don't get it. I'm, yeah, I'm so confused. this is um, done off the year-to-date budget um, variances, not the current month, because there's a little bit of variability month to month. But if you look on a year-to-date basis, it kind of evens out. So year-to-date, they're over budget on expenses by 4.7, but revenues over 12.9, which is why they're green overall. Okay. Yeah. So revenues. Positive, more positive than expenses negative. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're saying the monthly 
Yeah. So yeah. when I when I read your report, mm -hmm. teach me the thing that's the most important for me to be looking at. That grid there mm -hmm. is that the most because I'm I read your. I mean, you can see I cut I cut and paste yeah. and outline yeah. and try to understand that thing. Yeah. And so. <clears throat> yeah. So um, um, what I'm trying to do is is basically say there are four things that are. Are really three things that are generating our performance. One is volume, one is revenues, and the other is expenses. L last week, when at the that yeah, yeah. that was great. So yeah, I got yeah. that. The, how do I know that this is because you don't say in the narrative that this is a month? Um, I try to say month or year to date, depending on what I'm talking okay. about. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. I and all I switch. Right. I kind of mix both, which does get to be confusing. But um, on the on the heat map, basically, it's laid out that here are these three big factors. You can see individual identifiers or indicators. Uh, you can see it in total for the system, but then you can also kind of break it down by business units, so you can get an idea of which business units are on budget and which ones aren't. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, next yeah. question: yeah. the compensation ratio. I'm assuming that that's the amount of dollars that go into personnel relative to the budget. What is the compensation ratio? Um, <clears throat> compensation ratio is the combination of salaries and benefits and registry divided by net patient service revenue, or actually total revenue. Okay. Total revenue. W what do you want it to be? I want it to be at 60% or less. Okay. And we're so, at about 66. So it's at 64 now. Yeah. That's really good because we were over 70 last year. I see. And so your target is? Yeah. We want to spend less of the total revenue on labor. Okay. Yeah. Th thank you, David. Sure. Th then the other, the other question that I have is the, um, the EBITDA margin, mm -hmm. where you are to date and this month. So mm -hmm. it, it was 3.3%. This month, is that correct? No, this month it was 6.2%, which is really significant because it shows, and this is a month when we've had sort of extra expenses, that it shows we actually can operate at <clears throat> a higher EBITDA level than we've talked about. Because remember, we're talking about we're at about three, we want to get to five. Well, here's one month where we did six. And one of the reasons is we were really busy. Volumes were up. We saw a lot more patients last month than we had before. Okay. To date, then, it's 33 Yes. So it, at 3.3, mm -hmm. and you want to approve the upcoming budget at target at 5. Mm -hmm. Yes. Does that make you anxious? It's a challenge. It's a step up. But this month we did 6. We did 6.6. .6, so we're improving. And if you look at it month to month, it's, kind of, it's average 3%, but it's, it's kind of improving. And, you know, we're not at the end of the year yet. We may we may get to five by the end of the year. Okay. So, Those yeah. are the questions I had. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks. Any other questions, trustees? Just, and when you say when we may get to five, you mean actually average for the whole year. It may actually yeah. get yeah, to it's, five. Yeah, it's possible. That was the budget. But we're, we're about not three million behind right now. And, yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's for year to date. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, 
Okay, so now we have the Toyon report follow-up. Yes, and um, <clears throat> my colleague, Mr. Gravener, is also here to uh, respond. We're both we're jointly accountable for this objective. Um, so um, in, in your package are actually two reports. One is um, our work plan for the Toyon recommendations. We've also got another one, which is the mm -hmm. uh, work plan for the Freed recommendations. And mm -hmm. There's not an awful lot of overlap between the two, but we thought you should see both. Um, so what's occurred is that um, Nancy Katz of Toyon has reported out to the um, Board of Supervisors Health Committee. Uh, she did go out of her way to note the significant progress that we've made, which is good, but also that there's a lot more work to be done, and we, we certainly concur with that. Um, to to kind of summarize all this, um, the, the big issues, um, a lot of them have to do with staffing, uh, particularly reimbursement staffing, uh, revenue cycle staffing, getting key people in, staffing up departments and revenue integrity and other. There are a lot of... Um, system and data integrity issues that have to be dealt with. There are uh, charge capture and charge compliance issues uh, and a lot of um, you know basic you know patient financial services billing mechanic issues, monitoring, reporting, analysis, things like that. Um, so um, what we did is we put together these work plans. We get together and review them at our, 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 our revenue cycle improvement committee. Um, and I just want to give you a kind of a quick report on the major activities that are going on, then I can, we, can, we can respond to questions. Uh, in terms of organization and recruitment, we, we're making progress. We do have a new VP of Revenue Cycle on full-time. She's highly qualified. I've worked with her before. She's already making an impact. Uh, we do have some temporary positions, but we have qualified people in uh, patient financial accounting, pro-fee management, um, other areas. Uh, we, uh, one of the big areas has been reimbursement because we've completely relying on Toyon to do that for us. Uh, we, do, we have now a plan to deal with that. We're gonna, we have uh, somebody internally who has some skills that can step up into the manager, manager position, uh, and Toyon is going to train her to um, you know, be kind of a full service person. We're gonna, we're gonna bring some other people in uh, underneath her to help out. So we're making progress there. Um, we, we do have, uh, uh, other staffing needs, uh, particularly in revenue integrity, we haven't, which is charge capture and, and uh, compliance. Uh, we're working on getting people in there, and um, we uh, we need to staff up our denials and underpayments department. We have one person working there. Uh, one of the things, one of our successes is we've just turned on what's called the contracts module uh, this week, <clears throat> which tells our follow-up uh, people in the business office, are we getting paid correctly? Believe it or not, we could never tell before because uh, we, we didn't have a way of doing that. Well, this tells them every time they get a payment and they say, is that correct or not? It tells them how much. That allows them to respond immediately back to the payer saying, no, 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 you didn't pay us enough money. Here's what you should be paying. That's a huge improvement because it'll result in uh, more net revenue, prevent lost revenue, we get our cash quicker, <clears throat> and uh, it'll eliminate tons and tons of rework down the road uh, that we have to have to do. Um, now, on systems, we have determined that a big problem here is that we actually need to rebuild Sorian Financials. So Dave and I are working together on that. Dave's working with Cerner. We've got a meeting set up to develop an implementation plan to do that. It's probably a nine-month project, but it, this is going to be the system we're writing uh, you know, for years to come, and it's really got to work, and it's got to support the entire system. 
Uh, as part of this, we would intend to convert the uh, other two hospitals, Alameda Hospital and San Leandro, off of their legacy systems onto um, Soaring Financials, which means that we could combine the billing offices and have them all done in one location, which will also actually be more efficient and produce better results. And then uh, the other big project that's going on is a um, restructure of, <coughs> excuse me, uh, case management and utilization review. <coughs> um, Freed is leading that effort. It's a uh, effort that's going on across the system. And uh, the other thing that's going on here is that we've uh, we have uh, now recruited a VP of care coordination who's going to join us in early May. <coughs> Excuse me, kind of got some in my throat. Very happy to respond to it. So, I've asked this before, but I, I don't understand about using Sorian Financial. So, um, you, I guess that I remember that the reason that Cerner actually bought, wanted Sorian was because they liked that. But then how did we end up with such a kludgy system if, if that's what it was good at? And, and how is rebuilding it going to make it better? Uh, so it's hard to address the first question very much because it was before both Dave and I arrived I and, and the, how the system was built and a lot of the decisions were made are, are questionable decisions. And so that's what we're really going back to look at is what decisions were made in implementation that's driving processes as they exist today. In that, So that's what CERN is coming in to yeah. do, look at what was decided. Because the, the tool is... I'll simplify it down, right? It's like Excel. When you buy Excel or use the program, it doesn't do anything until you put in numbers and formulas and make it do something. Well, Sorian Financials is a really, really complex Excel, right? It's got all sorts of options and features that you can use, and you turn on switches and turn off switches yeah. and make decisions about time frames that drives how yeah. bills go through the system. You turn on edits, you turn off edits, which decide whether a bill gets held or whether a bill gets sent. Yeah. And the contracts module is a huge piece of that, right? To know mm -hmm. when a bill leaves here, how much money do we expect to come back in? And, and without that, you get, a, you get a check back and you go, must be right. I'll, I'll take the money and be happy I got money yeah. without really knowing exactly what it is. And, and previously without that, you'd have to really go back, look at contracts, to determine all that. So that's part of the yeah. rebuild is, is, is things like the contract module and how do we address that. There's a denials module that we don't use at all. Uh, currently that needs to be essentially built because it wasn't built in our system because we didn't do denials management previously. Right. We have those people now to do that. We now can use the system to help us generate that process. Yeah. So that, that's what's really in the rebuild is using this uh, really a Ferrari of a, of a patient financial system. Uh, it's really built as a next generation model to look at how does patient accounting happen in the future under new models, uh, which means it has lots of bells and whistles that we're not using today <coughs> or were confused in how they were used and, and caused right. to, be, to be more complicated because we didn't understand what decisions were made in, the, in that process. Yeah. It's, it's the build. There, there are about 10,000 on-off switches that have to be on on-off switches that have to, you have to decide to do this, don't do this, do it this way. And there wasn't really any, uh, apparently, any good communication between IT and, and finance when it was built. So it was just put in and... Off it went. Another part of the system build is that it's meant to be, if you do it all correct up front, <clears throat> it all works very smoothly and cleanly. Uh, to do that, workflows have to change, work processes have to change, yep. people have to be educated at all, all points along the system to make that work. 
lack of that change management happening causes all the errors to end up on the back end, so the EBU that we've talked about gets huge. Then mm -hmm. has to be worked by all those people on the front end to redo the process or rework them on the back end, which doesn't fix the front end, and the plow keeps getting deeper. So that's the essence of the rebuild is fix all those processes, do what we didn't do right the first time, uh, yeah. to make the system function like it's supposed to. Yeah, that's a really important point, because mm -hmm. the old systems everybody's used to working with, you can go through, everything winds up in the billing office, and you can, if something needs to be fixed, you can fix it right there and send the bill out and collect. The system doesn't work that way. It's got to be done right up front, and it can only be fixed up front. So if you don't have a good communication loop about, hey, you know, it's got to get fixed, then it's just not going to work. Right. Remember how I said when I joined as a trustee, I was really frightened. This, this is yeah. an example. Dave wasn't here yet, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Neither Dave. David, I do have a question about the Toyin report. Um, your your plan is a great administrative tool, and I appreciate the, that that it's done. How how, uh, how is this board going to what, what are you going to give us to show the accountability of, uh, I see as I'm reading through this, you know, I saw some things that say in progress, but it looks to me like everything basically is in yeah, progress except yeah. where you say completed. Yeah. So I, I wasn't quite certain I understood, it. and I know it's a tool for you as administrators and yeah. you've assigned, and, and I have no quarrel with that. I just, what, what, what is the feedback for us so that it's in a form in which we can say, this has been done, this has been done, uh, this mm -hmm. hasn't been done, but this is a new timeline to get done, et cetera. Yeah. So have you thought about? Yeah, I have, and I know this is very detailed. Um, I think what I need to do is come up with a, a summary format <clears throat> that basically says, you know, here are the major areas, here, here are the numbers of recommendations, and here's how many are done, how many in process are not done, and then some comments about you know what what needs to happen. Maybe that, that would that be, might be helpful. I remember yeah. the first it, we took the initial toy on report when you mm -hmm. first gave it, and mm -hmm. uh, to the side you you know this was your interpretation completed, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. meant you told people to get it done so that yeah. you kind of marked it completed. Yeah. Um, but maybe you could take that same format. Well, I don't want it to. We need something that can give the board a better yeah. tool. Yeah, this is too hard to digest. It's, it, it, it's very yeah. difficult, yeah. Uh, but it's a great management tool, and I think yeah. you're gonna. It's going to be valuable for you as as yeah. administrators. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes. One question about that single source of truth for basic data. And June 2016, like across the system, you think you might be able to? Because even last year, there were just so many different sources. Like there was no, like, and I remember Nancy saying it a number of times and we all uh, saying it over here. But June seems like a very aggressive. Well, there, there's uh, parts of that that are coming to you very quite nicely. So, so today, we don't have a single place where you could look at data from the Sorian financial system from the Meditech system at San Leandro and the Meditech system from Alameda. To get an answer to that question, you have to go three different places to get that answer. So by June, we should have all of that data in one place. So over the last year, we built a data warehouse that we're calling K2, um, second highest mountain in the world because it's not our final peak yet, but it's the second highest peak where we're bringing all the data together uh, where we can answer those kind of questions. 
And so we're, it's also some structural issues where Nancy didn't have one person go to to ask those questions, so she got different answers depending on who she asked. And so we're building structure to get to how do we get questions asked at one place, and then that, that place helps sort out who's best to answer this question, what's the best data source for the answer to that question, and then making sure our answers are CERN. That's the data integrity issue, that, they, that the data is consistent across the system, across the various systems that have that data, that we're calling the same thing, the same thing wherever it gets called across the system where that data element might be used. So it's a lot of data consistency, working on making sure people are entering the right data in the right fields, to, and calling the same thing the same thing. Because it's just fields used as different, in different ways across the system cause that problem. And K2 gives us that access to, to, to get at that data in one place and have a single source of truth. Now, that's combined with EPSI, which is where we're really storing financial data. So if you want a financial question, that's an EPSI, that's an EPSI response, because that's where we're bringing together all the, all the financial data to really know that works. K2 is where we bring together clinical and kind of quality and counting type of data. That, help, that happens really well in K2. So it's being used today for, by researchers. It's being used by uh, quality and some, some data we can pull together from disparate systems. So today, WellSoft are in, that we use in the ED and Sorian that we use in the inpatient side, uh, those don't talk to each other very well clinically, but we can pull that data together in, in, the, in the data warehouse and answer questions about how does data flow from WellSoft through Sorian and bring that together in one place where you can view it. Not a clinical view of it, but from a patient perspective, what's happening that we could never do before. Um, if, if you're looking at utilization, we can look at utilization of that. So what's, how much utilization happens in, in the ED, documentation through WellSoft, um, coding that happens in WellSoft and charges, and how that matches up to what happens on the inpatient side, and look at kind of that longitudinal view of the patient from a, from a uh, data perspective, but not a clinical data perspective, in the way that you would want to do to see what happened in the ED, right? Today you have to look at a WellSoft report to see that. Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate that. Um, move on to committee reports, and I'll start with um, our doctor, QPSC. There is a very brief and simple report there that you probably have read, mm -hmm. and I could entertain questions, but I doubt that there would be. Any much. questions? Okay, then. Thank you, Barry. We'll move to finance. Any questions for our finance chair? All right, then um, Then I'm moving to uh, our information item. You've seen the uh, media report, uh, legislative analysts, and so I think uh, are there any additional, where board is about to move into closed session, um, I do see our foundation executive here reminding everybody about the gala. So uh, I think everybody here, last time I talked, we're all planning to attend, so... Thank you for those invitations. Um, any public comment? Okay, then the board is going to adjourn to closed session. Thank you very much. Well, we have to announce why we're going to closed session. We're going into closed session. Um, thank you. Uh, the agenda tells me pending litigation, conference with our legal counsel, and conference with labor negotiator. And uh, took no action. Took no action. Any public comment? No. Nope. Nope. Okay. No. Bye. The meeting's adjourned.